0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Amen. Thank you so much for that. If you have your Bibles, take them to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter number 6. And i just like to say before I get started that it's so good to see Brother Nathan and Miss Grace back together again. And we talked a few weeks ago about uh, how Brother Nathan had uh, cut her out of the house basically with the social distancing stuff. And you can tell now he's, he's lost his voice. So I don't know if there's been some discussions uh, since he's let her back in or what's taking place there. But uh, praise the Lord. It's good to see both of them back happy together singing and so on and so forth. Second Kings chapter number 6. And I'd like to preach a message tonight that God gave me several weeks ago. And uh, this message deals directly with what what I've been dealing with, what I think we've been dealing with as a a city, a county, as a country, and that the world is dealing with right now that I believe can be a help to us uh, if we'll heed to God's word tonight. And um, I, I just would pray that God would help me as I preach that it'd be delivered in a way that it was delivered to me. And let me ask this question before I get started or as I get started, have you ever been afraid before. Have you ever been afraid before? And uh, I'd like to give you an example of the year that I received Father of the Year Award, or maybe it was Father of the Month or whatever else. And uh, on this particular night, um, I'm not sure who, why I came up with this idea, but uh, my youngest daughter was uh, not in her room and I decided to have a great idea to go inside of her closet, why she wasn't in there. And the goal was, when she came back into her room, I was going to scare her. And uh, you say, why in the world would you do that? I, my wife told me, hey, this is a good idea, and said, hey, you should go into I have no idea. And, uh, of course, this was many, many, many years ago. And, uh, but uh, anyway, I had this bright idea to go inside of my youngest daughter's closet and with the goal of scaring her when she came back into her room. Well, she came back into her room shortly thereafter, and she was reading a book or playing, doing something in her room. And uh, so I said, how am I going to be able to scare her? And so I scratched on the closet door with like a scratching sound. And initially, you could tell it was obvious that she was in her own world and la-la land or wherever she was at, and that it wasn't noticeable that there was something scratching on the closet door, so I had to get her attention. So what did I do naturally? I made the sound a little bit louder, and I scratched a little bit louder on the closet door, at which time I got a little bit of the reaction I was looking for, and she paused briefly, and she kind of stared at the closet for a moment as if to think, I think I heard something, but I'm not exactly sure, and I just paused, and I just waited, and she went back to her normal activity, at which time I made the noise a little bit louder. And it was at that time that I looked over and you could tell she was afraid. She didn't know what to do. Should I run out of the room? But the door was right by the closet. Do do I run? Do I scream? Or whatever else. And then she did what I had no idea she was going to do. She put her hands together and immediately began praying. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, this is terrible. How do I get out of this situation? She's there praying, and no doubt because I've been scratching on the door. And so I said, I'm just going to come out, and I'm just going to say, Haley, it's just me. You don't have to be afraid. And as soon as I came out and said, hey, and I couldn't even get it out, and I wasn't going to use her name. But it was Haley. And uh, I started to say her name, and as I said it, she screamed. She screamed at the top of her lungs, and immediately began sobbing in fear and pain. And I felt like I am the biggest failure that the world has ever seen as a father. And I thought, what in the world? And so I did my best to console her to no avail. But you know what? I made a promise to her on that night. I said, Haley, I will never intentionally scare you again. And that agreement is only with Haley. I've not made that with my other children. So they are still fair game at this time. But have you ever been afraid before? Hopefully, it's not your dad waiting in the closet to scare you. And uh, great parenting skills there are things that we should not do, amen. But uh, have you ever been afraid before? How about during this time of panic, during this time of fear? Are you afraid? You know, I'm glad the Bible says in Psalm 56:3, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 14. We're going to talk about a a time in the Bible where somebody was afraid and somebody else gave great words of wisdom that I believe were straight from God that if we heed these words, they can help us where we're at today in our lives. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 14. The Bible says, Therefore send he thither horses and chariots and a great host, And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host, compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he, the master, Elisha, answered, Fear not. For they that be with us, are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. For all that you've done, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that I have to preach your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be empty to self. I pray that you'd help me to be filled with your spirit. I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. I pray that you'd help me to deliver this message as you've spoken to me about it. Lord, that we would fear not. God, your word is still resounding today as it was many years ago when this exact uh, uh, story, not a story, it actually, this event took place. Elisha told his servant to fear not, and God, we can still hear that today from your word, fear not. I pray that you'd help me. I pray that each and every one that's listening tonight would be able to gain insight from your word, for we ask these things in your name, amen. In this portion of scripture, we have the man of God at the time named Elisha, as well as his servant, and the Bible doesn't give the servant's name. In verse number eight, the Bible says that the king of Syria warred against Israel and he took counsel with the servants saying in such and such a place shall be my camp so it was a time of war there was a war that was taking place and let me just say this in times of war I can imagine since I haven't lived through those periods of time they're pretty scary times and if you think about hey is there a time is there a place When it's okay to be afraid, I would say, hey, you know what? During a time of war, that would be a reasonable time that I would say would be a place that we can be afraid. You know what? We had the opportunity to visit Washington, D.C. a few weeks ago with my family, and during uh, various, we had various meetings with elected officials there, and between those meetings, we had the opportunity to visit various sites around the area, including several different memorials one of which being the Arlington National Cemetery. As we walked through this cemetery, I was overwhelmed at the number of gravestones that were there. And as we walked by and read the names that were engraven on those stones, most of those folks that were there died fighting during a war. There is one specific location called the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And it's amazing to think that So many people lost their lives during times of war, and some of those people, we don't even know their name. We don't even know who they are. Make no mistake, when there's a war, people lose their lives. And not just a few people, but a lot of people. Hey, when you're under attack, when people, the enemy, are literally trying to kill you, I would say, hey, if there was ever a good reason to be afraid, that would be a good reason. However, that's not what takes place here in this portion of Scripture. There's a war that's taking place. And not only is there a war taking place, but Elisha becomes the main target of this special mission. The Bible says in verse number 13, And he, being the king, said, Go and spy where he is, being Elisha, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Now to go and basically kidnap one individual, I would think that as a king, you would send a few of your toughest, of your meanest, of your ugliest, of your baddest men to say, hey, go capture this one individual. But you know what? That's not what takes place here. And you know what? Those could have been odds that maybe could have been more favorable for Elisha and his servant. I'm not sure. But the Bible says that Uh, In the next verse, in verse 14, therefore he sent thither horses, plural, and chariots, plural, and a great host. And I'm not sure how many people, how many uh, uh, people enlisted in this army would entail a great host. But it's so much so that the Bible says they compass the city about. To me, that's a lot of people. Horses, chariots, A great host. The city is surrounded. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. And the Elisha has, uh, his servant has my reaction. Hey, hey, what are we going to do? We don't know what's taking place. Hey, they're coming for us. What are we going to do? And Elisha has a message straight from God. What does he give during this time of war? What does he give as advice during this time of being surrounded by horses and chariots and a great host with insurmountable odds when those around him were panicking, when those around him were full of fear, when the prognosis from what the end result was going to be wasn't a good prognosis? He said two words, fear not. Hey, you know what? I dare say that today there's a lot of people that are full of fear. There's a lot of people that are full of panic. Hey, in our own individual lives, you may say, well, financially, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. We're surrounded by this virus. Hey, it's coming for you. Hey, what are we gonna do financially? Hey, what are we gonna do? We've run out of toilet paper. What are we gonna do? We've run out of bread, we've run out of milk. And I say that halfway in jest, but that's literally some's reaction. And I don't mean at all to minimize what's taking place because people are literally dying. People are literally losing their lives. And so it is a time that you would say reasonably and logically we could fear. But I would dare say that echoing through the portals of time that the Word of God is not changed. Fear not. Fear not. And you may say, well, that's easy to say, but a lot harder to do. And I agree. And fear not doesn't mean that when everything is going okay. Hey, when the bank account looks okay, to fear not. Well, that's easier to do. Hey, but you know what? This fear not came at a time when they were surrounded. This fear not came at a time when they were looking specifically for him. In a time of war, when people were dying, when people were losing their lives. And the man of God said, with authority, fear not. How is it that Elisha could tell his servant... Not to fear, because he saw something that his servant couldn't see. How is it that he could see something that his servant couldn't see? Because the servant was too busy looking at the circumstances. Have you ever been too busy looking at everything that's going on to find God in a situation Have you ever been too busy reading the newspaper? Have you ever been too busy watching the news or looking at reactions on social media? Have you ever been too busy to spend time in God's Word? Too busy to pray? Too busy to find out where is God in this situation? You know what? I believe that's where we're at currently as a nation. But you know what? I'm thankful that we have a president that declared at the beginning of this pandemic as it began to spread as we know it in the country, to declare a national day of prayer. But you know what? Let's not just look back and say, hey, that was the national day of prayer. Let's make it our day of prayer. Let's make this a time that we get closer to families. Let's make this a time that we grow closer to God. That in the end we can say, hey, look, we made it through by trusting in God. Fear not. Fear not. You may say, well, we've never experienced anything like this before. And you know what, I would typically agree with you because in my short lifetime, I've never experienced anything like it before. But let me just say, our predecessors have. And you know what, they've made it through with God's help. I think uh, of wars that we've experienced, not only in this country, but around the world. We went to the Holocaust Museum and saw the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and yay, maybe a million who died during the Holocaust and died during these tragic events. And you know what? Somehow we made it through. Hey, I think of the Spanish plague that came shortly after World War I. So it didn't come after a time that they were thriving, that everything was going well. This was in 1918, immediately following a war, and the Spanish plague came and killed millions of people and almost a million people just in America alone. And they shut down churches, and they shut down many places to try and prevent this spread. But you know what men of God said at the time? To fear not. You know what men of God said at the time? That, hey, God is still in control, that God is still with us, and hey, we're going to make it through. And I dare say that they didn't have Facebook Live back then. And they outlawed many things, but you know what? We got through it as a nation, just like we'll get through this as well. Fear not. So you say, one question, how do we overcome fear? One word I have for you tonight, and that word is the word faith. The word faith. You say, well, that's simple. It's simple, but it's hard. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, one, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Hey, what helped Elisha out during this time of panic? What helped Elisha out during this time of fear when they're surrounded by horses and chariots and a great host? He saw something that his servant didn't see. What did he have? He had faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He saw something that everybody else didn't see. You know what I dare say during this time of pandemic that's been declared? That you know what? those who are unsaved, those who don't attend church, those who have never known Christ as their Savior, hey, they need to fear. Because what? Hey, this is the best they're ever going to have it. But you know what? We have something that's even greater. Hey, we have the hope of eternal life. Hey, we don't have a reason to fear. Hey, you can't scare me with hell. Amen? Because I'm going to heaven when I die. Fear not. Fear not. But what does that really mean to have faith? Hey, it's trusting God when you don't understand. Hey, it's relying on God to give you the victory. In 1 John 4, 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is the victory. Faith is the victory, Oh, glorious victory, that overcomes the world. We know the end of what happens in this life. Hey, God wins. No matter how bad it may look like, and by the way, it's going to get a lot worse. Not necessarily with what's taking place now. I believe that God is going to bring us through and it's going to come to an end. But let me just say, in this world, it's going to get a lot worse. And thankfully, we have the hope of the rapture that will be taken out before a lot of that stuff starts to happen. But you know what? God wins in the end. 2 Timothy 1.7, the Bible says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. So if this fear doesn't come from God, where does it come from? Hey, it comes from our flesh. And by the way, it's natural to fear. But we overcome fear with faith. So if we say, hey, how do you overcome fear with faith? Well, how do we get faith? Or how do we get more faith? In Matthew chapter number 17, there's a man that comes to Jesus. And this man pleads with Jesus to heal his son who's possessed by a demon. And not only is his son possessed by a demon, but the disciples at the time were unable to heal this young boy. What was Jesus' response? He says, "O, oh, faithless and perverse generation. He then heals the boy. The Bible says in verse number 20, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place in it, shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And here's the clincher in verse 21. They asked, why were we not able to do this? He says, faithless and perverse. Hey, how were we not able to do this? He says, how be it? This kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. How do we have more faith? Why were the disciples at this time not able to heal this Young boy that was possessed by a demon. He says prayer and fasting. Hey, how do we have more faith? Prayer and fasting. When is the last time that God burned you in prayer and fasting? We are as close to God as we want to be. You are as close to God today as you want to be. How do we get closer to God? Draw an eye to God. And he'll draw nigh to you. Let me just say this. No prayer and no fasting equals no faith. Equals fear. Equals panic. Equals our natural fleshly reaction. Let me just say this. Small prayer and small fasting gives small faith. Much prayer and much fasting gives much faith. Hey, you want your lost loved ones to get saved? What does the Bible say? He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Hey, no weeping, no reaping. Psalm 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. No fear. Fear not. Why is that? For thou art with me. I'm so glad that God hasn't left us during this time. I'm so glad when Jesus rose again, he didn't say, hey, guess what, guys? It's all up to you from here on out. I'm going to heaven, and and I'm going to be in perfect peace. Have a good time. But he says, hey, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He's going to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And if we're saved, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? How do we gain faith? By prayer and fasting. What does faith do? Hey, you know what? It opens our eyes to see things that we previously didn't see. Seeing isn't believing, but believing is seeing. Do you have faith that God is going to get you through your health problems? Do you have faith that God is going to come through with your financial situation? Do you have faith today that God is able? Faith changes our sight The Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. But you know what that prayer is? Believing that God is going to do it even as you're praying. Psalm 119 and verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. So how was it during this time of war, during this time of death, during this time of being surrounded by the enemy with nowhere to run and nowhere to hide, and nowhere to go, and insurmountable odds, and things don't look right. And the media is saying it's not going to end right. Fear not. And how do we not have fear? It says in verse number 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. My prayer today is that God will open our eyes, that we'll look beyond what's taking place in our circumstances and look and say, hey, what is God doing in this situation? You know what I'm encouraged by as you scroll through some of the social media is all the different church services that are posted. And all the people that maybe didn't even go to church or whatever else have, have the opportunity to watch whatever church that they want and hear the good news and hear the gospel and see people talking about Jesus, see people talking about Christ. You know what I enjoy at this time is making phone calls and seeing how people were doing and checking in and saying, hey, it's good to see you And the bond and the closeness that we have. But you know what? Let's carry this through. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this earth what will they do? They'll grow strangely dim. You know what? If we look past this coronavirus, if we look past our financial situation, if we look past our health situation, you know what we can see? Yeah, when we look out with our eyes, we see the mountains are full. Hey, we're, we're surrounded. There's no way out. There's no hope. So let's just throw in the towel. But if we have faith and open our eyes, you know what we see? Beyond the enemy is there's God. There's Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. And he said, hey, you can get through it. Just place your trust in me. Yes. And you know what we realized during this time is that we're not in control. That hey, we're not as sovereign and we're not as tough and we're not as self-dependent as we thought that we were. But you know what, we're dependent upon an almighty Father for guidance and for power and for protection in our lives. You know, Psalm 203 in the Blue Hymn Book, it says this. It says, Near my God to Thee. Near my God to Thee. Near to Thee. Even though it may be a cross that raiseth me, still all my songs shall be near my God to Thee. You know what? When this pandemic ends, I hope that can be said about me that, hey, it drew me closer to Christ. I hope it's a time that I said, hey, you know what? God increased my faith. Because you know who we have watching? Not only the unsaved, we have our children, we have our grandchildren, we have those in our circle of influence that are watching. And our reaction, are we going to have faith to say, hey, fear not? Hey, son, hey, daughter, hey, niece, hey, nephew, hey, grandchild, fear not. Or are they going to see us frazzled We don't know what's going to happen. Hey, what shall we do? I don't know. The world's coming to an end. Uh, i got to post something. I need need help. I I can't get through it. But that's a natural reaction. But you know what? God wants us to have faith. And if we have faith, you know what? We'll turn our eyes upon Jesus. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim. We can draw near my God to thee. Just two words tonight, fear not. And how do we have, how are we able to fear not? One word, the word faith. How much faith do you have? If some tragedy came in your individual life, would it be the case that they'd have to go to somebody else to find deliverance? What would Jesus describe your faith as today? Would it be, oh, faithless and perverse generation? Or would it be, a person of faith. You know what? I pray that God would increase my faith. But you know what? Faith is increased when we can't see the future. That's the times that our faith is built. If we could see what was going to take place, if we could see the future ahead, it would require zero faith. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith.